This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. For my entire life, I've always tried. At times, I literally likely could have been referred to as a tryhard. I didn't always reach my goals, however, but I do know that I always put a good effort in. In grade 12, I really wanted to make the honor roll. That year, I put in a lot of extra time, but when it came down to it, I was 0.7 of 1% shy of making the grade. I didn't get my driver's license until the third attempt. My lack of success had absolutely nothing to do with my vision, but rather was directly related to my subpar parallel parking skills. I applied for a job one time. I made it all the way to the interview process and about 10 minutes into the interview, I considered just shaking their hands and leaving. I had absolutely no idea what they were even talking about. I couldn't even flub my way through it in attempts of saving some sort of face. It was just too far gone. That interview was an epic fail. When I was in the heat of all of these moments, I remember feeling so embarrassed and ashamed. Over the years, I've learned to put things into perspective. And now, all of these scenarios that at one time stressed me just make me laugh. I'm Becky Zarr, and this is The Blind Reality. Life can be totally tricky, despite our efforts. We might think that we want to be heading in a particular direction, but the truth and the reality could be, for one reason or another, that that ideal life is actually out of our reach at that moment. It could be just a temporary stall, and perhaps you could have an easy way of remedying that situation. Or, like me, you could experience a bigger, life-changing hiccup. I don't care who you are or how picture-perfect you prefer to portray your life to be at times. If we are all being honest, we are all people, and everybody has bumps along the way. I think that it's how we choose to work with those bumps that we encounter is what really matters. I get that it's simply easier and way more comfortable to focus on the good, and I do that a lot. I think that it's really important to be positive and optimistic. But I also think that it's important that others and ourselves can grow if we actually speak up and share some of those more challenging moments. This whole podcast was designed to help others, but if I'm being completely honest, I'm pretty shocked at just how much it's helped me. I really wasn't expecting that part when I agreed to get into this all. This was the life that I was given, and I don't know why I was so scared for others to find out that I was not a perfect person. I'm just a person, like everybody else. I just happen to be a person who has gone in several different directions. Somebody who struggled for a while to embrace myself. 
However, after I experienced hitting my rock bottom moment from this unexpected happen chance, I realized that I'm actually a lot stronger of a person now than I ever could have been before. As hard as many of these moments have been, I do appreciate the moments and the lessons that I have taken away from each of them. Something in the beginning that I really missed, that I had a really hard time conceptualizing, was looking in the mirror and not seeing the image that used to so easily reflect back at me. Metaphorically, I felt gone. And visually, it confirmed it. The person that once used to smile back at me in the mirror was no longer there. The image that now peered back in my direction had lost its luster in so many ways. The image was so broken up, it was really hard to see that it was actually me. Over the years, that same image has continued to fade. Each time, my remaining eyesight has dropped. I really haven't seen myself clearly for almost a decade. But don't get me wrong, I can see myself a little bit better in pictures when I zoom in and make the image larger. But I know that I'm missing details. I've aged. I can feel new lines that were never there when I now run my hands over my face. It's weird because today that feeling doesn't really bother me that much anymore. I now realize that it's not the details of my face that I long to see. There's a lot of other things that quickly come to mind instead. My work hard attitude remains despite some unfulfilled goals. Perseverance, determination, and optimism have led me to where I am today. And I'm excited to see where some persistence will take me tomorrow. Some things that I would love to see are fairly obvious. I would love to take in the details of my now 12-year-old son's face. I would love to take in the smile lines that must have settled in around my husband's eyes by now. I would love to see my 15-year-old nephew's wild mullet. He wears it proudly as part of his hockey uniform. I'm told that the ladies dig it, which completely makes me giggle. The list, it goes on. I take a lot of pictures because when I get my eyesight back, I'm going to sit for hours looking at all of the picture-perfect moments, taking in all of the details. As you listen to me sharing my story, you might be somebody who has not experienced vision loss, but has decided to listen to learn, to support somebody else, to support me, or simply because you find it interesting. You, however, might be a listener who has experienced vision loss. Although we do have this in common, our stories likely significantly differ from each other. And I think that's okay. At the end of the day, no matter what our stories are, 
where we live, or what language we actually speak, we all have commonalities and the ability to relate to each other simply because we're all people. Something else that I look forward to are simplistic moments. Having vision loss can complicate even the most typical, non-relevant situations that we, as people, can all relate to. When faced with any less than ideal moment, looking at the scenario with a sense of humor can sometimes be the very best medicine. Admittedly, both now and as a sighted individual, I have walked into glass walls in a populated store. My first encounter with a glass wall was when I was about 16. I was aware of a fit, good-looking guy who was only a few strides away from me, distracted by trying to look just a bit too cool. My eyes missed seeing the glass wall before I not-so-elegantly plowed right into it, completely mortified. That ended my gym experience and my future made-up relationship with the really cute guy. Situations like this is what unites us as humans. I'm sure that the relatable human experience list is quite extensive. But one more that I would like to highlight is the wedgie. I am referring to the dreaded wedgie. We've all had them from time to time, distracted by the lingering presence of a cluster of fabric looming between your cheeks. You know the scenarios that I'm referring to, because remember, we're all just humans. So I totally know that you have been there too. Perhaps you were delivering a presentation at a never-ending meeting, or simply minding your own business as you're walking into your kid's school and then out of nowhere, boom, it's there. We all do our best to ignore the situation because we are adults. We are mature and we can absolutely handle this situation. As you try to act as if all is normal, you can't help but try and think of a reasonable yet discreet solution. You think, maybe if I squat down slowly and pretend to adjust my shoe, it'll just pop back into place. You think, yeah, this may actually work. But to your dismay, it's done nothing to remedy your situation. So you think of option two. Maybe if I kind of just lean to the side and wiggle a bit, it'll adjust itself into a more bearable position. But sadly, no. It remains settled in its current location. Conversations continue to go on around you, and you can't help but think, I wonder if anybody else can notice. I wonder if they think that I am the adventurous, thong-wearing type. But you can't help to think, I am not an adventurous, thong-wearing type. I do not choose to clench something between my cheeks all day long. You are now at the point that we all get you. The removal needs to happen. 
been there. A casual delay to be the last out of the meeting. Or a quick slip into a locked bedroom to make the adjustment. Or perhaps you just sort of survey your scenes and just go for it. This is where it becomes a little bit more problematic for a blind person in a completely different way. How do I know that I'm actually 100% the last person out of the meeting and that somebody is not just quietly sitting there only 20 feet away watching my every move? We have all at one time or another darted into a public washroom only to find out that we're the only ones in there so you can quickly remedy your situation and leave. However, how am I supposed to know that somebody else isn't there just standing there quietly only to watch me anyway? So my question is, do I go into the stall and then stand there quietly and flush the toilet after a few moments as if I just used the washroom for its intended purpose? Or do I try to force a couple dribbles out so in my head I can justify me being in there to my hypothetical fellow bathroom users? Honestly, I have not found my go-to remedy yet. Anyway, I will stop there. But whether your situation is slightly goofy or a little bit more serious, you are likely not alone. When some of the details of your life do not go your way, use your voice and speak up because chances are you might end up helping both yourself and others because at the end of the day, we are all just people. So today, I've invited somebody into chat who has taught me a lot. And he likely has no idea how impactful his actions have been to me over the years. Today, I'm extremely excited to have a conversation with my 15-year-old nephew, Jagden. I love him like he's my own, and I am proud of him more than words can actually say. Welcome to the show, Jag. Thanks for having me. My first question is, when we first moved back into the city, Bennett totally insisted on going to the same elementary school as you, which ultimately determined the location of our house. At the time, you were 10 years old, and suddenly I was showing up at your school using my white mobility cane. Honestly, what was that like for you? You showing up at our school wasn't different than any other mom or auntie, in my opinion, and picking up their kids from the school. To me, your white cane was normal. And it wasn't embarrassing to me. Everyone was nice about it and would ask me why you have it. Then I'd explain that you were visually impaired. And they'd ask me that because they'd see me and Bennett walking with you from your apartment just across the street to school every day after lunch. I was in grade six at the time and lots of people understood why you had it in my grade, but it could have been different for Bennett because he was only in grade two at the time. Over the years, You've spent lots of time around me, so I think you actually have a pretty good understanding about my vision loss. Somehow, you always know exactly when I can use an extra hand and how to help. How do you possibly know exactly what to do? That's a tough question because I actually don't know the answer. I just do it. 
without even thinking. For example, if me and Bennett were playing with something like a ball and it had a different texture on it than a normal smooth ball, I would hand it to you and let you feel it to know that it wasn't normally smooth like a regular ball. Also, if we are walking places and there's like a step up or down off a curb or something, I just kind of say there's a step up or watch out, there's a little step down here. Just out of not even thinking, I just do it, Just it just feels right. So this scenario was actually a couple years ago, but do you remember when you asked if you could test drive my white cane? I remember it being absolutely hilarious. But what was this experience like for you? Yes, I do remember this. I am pretty sure it was one day either before or after school and we were walking home or to the bus stop. Me and Bennett were hockey players and still are hockey players, so we call our sticks twigs and a walking stick says stick in the name, so we just call it a walking twig or whatever that was. Walking beside you... Every day, to and from the bus stop, you can always hear it going against the pavement. And you can see, like, when you go to, like, walk up your stairs at your house, when you hit the stairs and you know there's about to be a step up. So I was just thinking in my mind those few first weeks when you had it and just over the time of you having it, I always wanted to try it. So one day I just asked, can I test drive your stick to see what it would be like to be visually impaired and just acknowledge how tough it was for people to use those sticks. I know it would help them out a lot and I just wanted to see how that was. Having fun together has always been something that's been really important to me. Despite my vision loss, I think we've had a blast over the years. I've taken you and Bennett minnow hunting. I've demonstrated my amazing bike riding skills. We've done science experiments and I've even taught you how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the guitar. Do you have any fun memories that you'd like to share? Yes, I do. Two memories that come to my mind right off the top of my head are this past summer when we went to take Lulu down to the water at Lake Diefenbaker. And right as we were going onto the beach down a little hill, Lulu took off running and took the leash right out of your hands. And Bennett chased after her. And Bennett looked like he was pulling a piano behind him with how fast Lulu was. Eventually, we got her back, and later that night when we were talking about it and telling it to everyone, we had a good laugh, but at the time, it was complete chaos. Other fun memories I have from a while ago is when we went to Saskatoon to go go go-karting, and how young Bennett, that's only drove an electric gator, and his visually impaired mom, drove around the track. It was pretty impressive, if I'm going to be honest. And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Blind Reality. I'd like to thank my handsome, funny, and amazingly talented nephew, Jagden, for taking time out of his busy schedule to come and have a chat with me today. And, as always, I'd like to thank my family for their continued love and support. This episode was written and produced by me, Becky Zar. Technical production was provided by AMI-audio's Nasreen Abdel-Majid, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Remember, until next time, if you need a hand, get it. If you can give a hand, give it. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.